fear is, it's powerful. Fear can make bad situations worse. It causes us to make bad decisions. It can even cause us to do destructive things. And a few years ago, there was a boy. He was, he was in eighth grade, and he was afraid. Because there was a girl who he was friends with, and she and one of her friends, they called him up to ask him if he could come to a party at her house. And ooh, there were going to be boys and girls at this party. And his parents weren't home at the time. Um, so he told her, well, I'll, I'll check with my parents, and then I'll get back to you. But this boy, an eighth grader, he was so afraid of simply asking his parents if he could go to this party where there were going to be boys and girls. And, by the way, this was a, this was a girl that he, you know, like, kind of liked. He was so afraid, he acted irrationally. He was so afraid of asking them, he didn't even ask them. He called her back up 15 minutes later and said, I'm so sorry, but I can't come. Fear is powerful. And that eighth grader was me. You probably already guessed that. But on a more serious note, fear, fear is powerful. Fear can cause the man or the woman who's been married for five years or 15 years or 35 years to just get out. Because maybe he's, he's afraid of confronting things in himself and changing. Or maybe she's afraid that just all hope has been lost and it seems easiest to just leave. Or, or it can work the other way. It could cause a man or a woman in, a, in an abusive marriage to be afraid of leaving and so they stay when they should actually leave. Or fear can cause the middle schooler or the high schooler or the college student or really people of any age to try things that, that maybe are even illegal or at least try things that they know have consequences because they're afraid of not being accepted by their peers or they're afraid of, of someone looking down on them or they're afraid of how they're going to look if they don't do this. Fear is powerful. Fear, fear can cause us to shy away and avoid a tough situation, a tough conversation, maybe with a family member or a friend or a person at church because we're afraid of what might happen if we have the conversation and we know it's going to be difficult. And so fear, even though we know it's the best thing to engage, fear can cause us to step away. Fear is powerful. And I'm not even going to ask you, are you afraid of anything? I'm going to ask you, what are you afraid of? Because maybe some of us more often than others, but all of us have fear. And, and whether you're willing to admit that or even if you're not willing to admit that you have fear, this message from God's word is for you. From John 6, verses 16 through 21. Listen to God's answer to fear. And by the way, this comes right after what we just read earlier, after the feeding of the 5,000 or 20,000 people. When evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set, across, set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. 
It's got to make you think, hmm, John's writing this down later. Seems like he knows something. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But Jesus said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. That's God's word. It was supposed to be a much easier trip than that. Like it was perhaps only about five miles from where they were to where they were going, Capernaum. And it shouldn't have taken six, eight, ten hours all through the night, but they were caught up in a storm, which was very common on the Sea of Galilee because the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel sits basically in a big bowl and there's mountains not too far away. There's one even 9,000 feet high. And so storms, flash storms would happen all the time. And that's what happened that night. And that's why the disciples were straining and why they were still on the water in the wee hours of the morning. But the storm is not why they were frightened. It wasn't the situation they were in that made them frightened. It wasn't even the fact that they saw someone coming to them on the water and it looked like Jesus. It wasn't even that situation that caused them to be frightened because this is true for all of us. It's not the situation you're in that makes you afraid. It's how you react to the situation that might make you afraid. Specifically, fear is produced not by the situation you're in, but by you trusting bad information. And the disciples, they had lots of good information. Think about it. They had just witnessed an incredible miracle. Jesus multiplying food exponential amounts to feed 20,000 people as much as they wanted and there was more left over than when he started. And they had seen Jesus do other miracles. And when they saw a figure coming to them on the water, it looked like Jesus. They had good information. And you could say they should have known it was Jesus himself, but, but instead they trusted bad information. And so they were afraid. Because the Bible says angels and demons exist, but ghosts, ghosts are not a thing. And they should have known that. They were afraid, not because of the situation, but because they were trusting bad information. And let me ask you, how many of the things that you are afraid of in your life come, not because of the situation you're in, but because you don't have a clear picture, because you're trusting bad information, misinformation, because you're putting your trust in things that simply are not true. And please, let's go deeper than the shallow answer of, oh, the media, okay? Forget that. Let's look at the things that we trust in ourselves that are bad information. Like when, when you say, and I say, by the way, I need everyone's love and approval, or at least I need a certain person's approval. And we believe that, even though the truth is not everyone is going to like you. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And on the other hand, God, God, like capital he not only loves you, he likes you, he completely approves of you because he's taken away all your sins. And so to him, the most important being in the entire world, you look 
perfect, and you are because he said so. But in spite of those two things, we're still afraid if a certain someone doesn't approve of us. Or what about when, when we say, it'd be easier. It'll really be easier if I avoid my problems than, rather than facing them head on. Even though, even though we know the truth is that we can't avoid our problems. You might avoid one, but it's going to come back up or a different one is going to come in its place. And on the other hand, even more importantly, you know that God says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he says, cast all your anxiety on me because I care for you. And we might know those things in our heads, but still we think, well, I'm going to shy away. I'm not going to confront this problem. It'll be easier. And we believe the bad information that it'll be better in the long run if I, if I avoid it. All sorts of things like that. And it turns out you can be superstitious, not just about ghosts, but about all the things that you hear. And if you end up trusting bad information, information that's not true, which is what the disciples were doing, then everything is just always going to be a little bit off and fear will come into your life. And fear is a, <laughs> fear is a, a joy destroyer. It destroys the, the good things that God has done for you. It, it, takes, it diverts your attention away from them, away from God, to the thing that you're afraid of. It takes away the peace that God has filled you with, the status that God has bestowed on you, the forgiveness that Jesus has won for you. Fear, because it's based on bad information, it takes us away from all of those good things and makes us, maybe temporarily, maybe for longer than temporary, makes us forget them. Fear is incredibly powerful. Fear makes you slow and weak and frustrated and meek. It makes you make bad decisions, makes you procrastinate. Fear makes you be indecisive. Um, fear leads to all sorts of self-destructive behavior. Like you try to numb away the fear. Maybe with too much to drink or mindless scrolling or fear tries to distract you with any number of things. And you're probably thinking of the thing right now where you go when you're afraid and you try to get your mind off the thing that you're afraid of. It might be an inherently destructive thing like pornography or it might be a benign thing, a good thing like a, a great TV show. But you use it to try to distract yourself or numb away the fear. And fear is so, so powerful. And now we're back with the disciples in the boat Seeing Jesus, it looks like Jesus, but they think it's a ghost because they're trusting, not Jesus, but they're trusting bad information. This miracle, the writers Matthew and Mark, they record it too. And I'll be honest, like five, six days ago when I was, when I was studying, I was a little disappointed because John here, he doesn't, he doesn't put down a lot of the details that Matthew and Mark do. And so I thought, man, there's just not much to talk about here. Because this is also the story where Peter walks on the water. Where Jesus says, it is I. And then Peter says, Lord, uh, if it's you, let me walk to you on the water. And then he believes. And so Peter miraculously walks on the water and then he doubts. So he sinks. And then Jesus reaches out and grabs him immediately. But John doesn't say that. John doesn't even mention 
that the disciples thought he was a ghost. I, I added that in earlier. John doesn't say that after Jesus got in the boat, the sea was immediately calm. And John doesn't say that actually Jesus is the one who sent the disciples out on the water in the first place and said, I'll meet up with you later. And I believe that Jesus, he knew what he was doing. And he could have just preached to them, don't be afraid. But I think that Jesus sent them out on the water into the situation, knowing what was going to happen so that he could show them that they didn't have to be afraid. So that every time in the future, they didn't just get to remember Jesus' preaching, do not be afraid. They got to remember Jesus walking to them on the water, calming the storm, and miraculously making their boat immediately end up like a mile or a mile and a half further at the shore. But John didn't include any of those details. It's like he wants us to focus with laser-like precision on the one detail that he does include, which is this. Jesus saw that the disciples were frightened and he said, don't be afraid. It is I. And more literally, Jesus said, don't be afraid. I am. Now, when you hear the two words, I am, it probably doesn't mean that much to you. But to first century Jewish people, when Jesus said, ego, I, me, I, I am, that would have caused them to do, do a double take and say, what? Because I am goes back 1,500 years because I am is the name that God chose to identify himself, the proper name. When God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, Moses asked him, Hey, God, when I go to the Israelites, by the way, I'm afraid, when I go to them and they say, hey, who sent you? What should I say? Who should I say sent me? And God responded to Moses and he said, tell them, I am has sent me to you. And so when Jesus says here, I am, he is claiming clearly to be God. And in these words, they mean a couple of very important things for us. Number one, Jesus is making clear that for him, every single thing is in what I've heard called the eternal present. With Jesus, there's no past, present, or future. He exists outside of and independent of all time. And so, if you're concerned or worried about the future, about something specific, or just something in general, in your life, or in the town, or the state, or the country that you live in, it's not... It's not just that Jesus knows about it. It's that in the future, to us, he is already there. Jesus, your I am, is already there. And secondly, when Jesus says I am, he's saying, I not only exist outside of time, I exist independent of all the external forces. The waves and the wind, it slowed the disciples way down. It was like between 3 and 6 a.m. when Jesus appeared to them. They should have long been at the other shore, but they were straining all night long. But Jesus, did it hold him back? No. Gravity? Uh, usually, when you try to walk on the water, and if you question me, just go to any body of water and walk on it. Gravity pulls you down more than the buoyancy of the water keeps you up. And so you sink. But not for Jesus. 
He is outside of all external forces. He can do whatever he wants to do at any time. And so if you're, if you're concerned about the external forces outside of yourself, things that are causing, things that are happening to you that you have no control over, or maybe you're frustrated with the progress you make because of, because of external forces, know that Jesus, your I am, they don't affect him. He does whatever he wants and he knows always what is best for you. And last but not least, when Jesus says, I am, he is telling us about one of the characteristics of God himself, which is that God does not change. God is not uh, vindictive one day and merciful the next and then merciful again and then just angry the next day. No, he doesn't, he doesn't change. So if you're frustrated or nervous about the ever-changing world around you or in your relationships or in your life, know that Jesus, your I am, he does not change. In answer to their fright, Jesus came up and said, don't be afraid. Why? It is I. I am. He has all that power. And the best thing about this all is, we can look at his characteristics and see that he's true God and all the power that he has. And we sitting here today in 2021, we have all the proof of how he has and how he's going to use that power for us. I heard a commentator say this week, the same feet that walked on top of the water, the same feet that walked away from the crowd that wanted to make him king. And wouldn't that have been comfortable? And the disciples were the cabinet members, but Jesus sent them away and he went away. He didn't want to be their earthly king. No, instead, he threw all that away and the feet which walked on the water, Jesus allowed those feet to be pierced through with nails because he knew that's what it would take for you and me to be his subjects in his perfectly loving kingdom forever and ever and ever. Jesus has power over everything you fear. And even better than that, he uses that power in love for you. So, uh, this world, bad things are still going to happen. And so as Christians, we will still experience the emotion of sorrow. Deep sorrow, deep sadness. And this world is still bad and evil. And so are all the people, in some sense. And so we will experience the emotion of frustration. But we have the great I am in our boat. And no matter what the storms are in your life, no matter how long you've been straining at the oars and you can't get to where you're going and you go one step forward, two steps back, you keep falling into temptation or you can't get where you want to go, Jesus is always standing there. And you might not always see him because we struggle with bad information. But Jesus, the great I am, is always standing there saying, it is I. So you'll be sad. You'll be frustrated. And fear? Fear is powerful. But Jesus is always 
more powerful. So do not be afraid. Amen.